Parshat Noach, we begin uh, right at the beginning of the Parsha, with the first Pasuk. Ele toldot Noach. These are the generations of Noach. But before actually telling us the names of the children of Noach, the Pasuk launches into a description of Noach, of who he was. Noach ish tzadik. Noah was a righteous man. Tamim haya bedorotav. He was perfect in his generations. Et Noach, Noach walked with God. We're going to come back to this. In fact, we're going to look into this description. We're going to cut it up, put it back together again like a jigsaw puzzle over the course of the next uh, hour or so. But first, I want to quote you the most famous commentary on this pasuk. It is found in Rashi. Rashi actually draws it from two sources and puts it together. Um, I'm going to quote you both of those sources coming up as well. But first, let's read the Rashi in its original Hebrew. Some of our rabbis explain this pasuk to Noach's credit. In other words, the word bedorotav, which seems to indicate that his righteousness was unique to his generation, says Rashi, quoting from rabbis, from Chazal, that he was righteous in his generation, but had he lived in a generation of other righteous people, he would have been even more righteous. So in other words, Bedorotav should not be taken as a criticism. It should be understood as a positive thing. It's just indicating to you that he was somebody who rose to the top of his generation, but would have risen to the top of any generation. And then continues Rashi, There are those who explain this word, Bedorotav, to his discredit, to Nach's discredit. In his generation, in comparison with his own generation, he was righteous. But had he been in the generation of Abraham, he would not have been highly thought of at all. He would, uh, I guess, have been ignored. He would not have been noticed. But in his generation of evil and wickedness, he stood out as a tzaddik. That's why the Torah adds the word bedorotav. Okay, that's the Rashi. Let's look at the original sources for this Chazal. The first one is in Sanhedrin, and it's in Daf. Kufchet Amud Aleph 108a. Ele toldot Noach, Noach ich tzadik, tamim hayab adorotav. Same pasuk. Says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said, Bedorotav velo bedorot achirim. He was holy, he was righteous, he was special in his generations, but not in other generations. Veresh Lakish Amar, and Reish Lakish adds, Bedorotav, in his generations, Kol Sheken even more so, he would have been considered righteous and perfect in other generations. So you have here a classic debate between the um, two Amoraim. They were brothers-in-law. Reish Lakish was married to Rav Yochanan's sister. They often took opposing sides in a debate on all kinds of subjects. And here, Rav Yochanan takes up um, the side of Noach not being that special, but in his generation he was. And Reish Lakish, 
who, as you recall, uh, began life as a highwayman, as a bandit, takes the side of Noach, the man who not only improved um, his own character in a generation where everything militated against it, but even in a generation that would have been full of righteous people, he would similarly have shone and would have been considered a very special person. Now let's look at the Midrash Rabbah. So, so far, the only comparison that we have seen between Noach and anyone else is that Rashi says, Had he lived in the generation of Abraham, that's the comparison that Rashi makes, he would not have been considered special, presumably because Abraham was the shining star. He was the rock star, righteous man of his generation, and Noach would have paled um, by comparison. Says the Midrash Rabbah, something slightly different. Bedorotav, Rabbi Huda Rabbi Nechemia, Tutanaim. Rabbi Huda um, takes up the debate with Rabbi Nechemia. Rabbi Huda Amar, Bedorotav Hayatzadik. Rabbi Huda says, in his generation, he was a tzadik. Ha'ilu haya Bedoroshel Moshe, Ovedoroshel Shemuel, lo Hayatzadik. Had he been in the generation of Moses, or the generation of Samuel, Shmuel Hanavi, he would not have been a tzaddik. Very interesting here. We're talking about a completely different era. Moses was in the era of the Exodus. Shmuel was in the era of King Saul and King David. And here the, the Midrash is bringing together these two historical figures in comparison with Noach, saying, says Rabbi Yehuda, that he would not have been considered special in those generations because Moshe Rabbeinu far exceeded him in righteousness and purity, etc., and so did Samuel Shmuel Hanavi. Rabbi Nechemia Amar, What does it mean that he was special, he was righteous in his generations? The proof that he was so righteous was that he was righteous in his generation. And that proves if he was able to remain a tzaddik in his generation, in the generation of impurity, of evil, of people acting in the worst possible way, no doubt he would have, in a generation that contained people as special as Moshe and Shmuel, have shone equally to them. So you have the same debate presented slightly differently. We've had Rashi's version, we've had the version from the Gemara in Sanhedrin, and now we've seen the Midrash Rabbah. So now, I just want to add a slight, um, uh, slight deviation to this discussion. Uh, it could be considered a distraction, but you see, you'll see afterwards that um, the way that Nach is referred to definitely takes this into account, and the way the pasuk is expressed allows for this interpretation. What am I talking about? The pasuk reads as follows. Ele toldot Noach. And then there are three sections to the pasuk. Noach ish tzadik, comma. Tamim haya bedorotav, comma. Et ha'elokim hitalech Noach, period. So what you have here is that the first part of the description, definition of Noach, ends with the word tzaddik, and the second part of the description, definition of Noach, begins with the word tamim. The question is, was Noach simply a tzaddik, or was he a tzaddik tamim? That means the Torah deliberately put these two words together to tell you not only was he righteous, he was a 
Tamim tzaddik. He was tzaddik tamim. There was a purity to his righteousness. There was a sort of an elevated nature to his righteousness. And this is a Gemara in Avodazara. And the Gemara seems to separate out the words tzaddik and tamim. And the Gemara in a totally different discussion, one which is rather bizarre, and I won't go into it now, says about Noach, tamim bidrachav, perfect in his ways, tzaddik b'ma'asav, righteous in his actions. So the Gemara there seems to be telling us that these two words should not be considered combined. But as you'll see that there are many uh, commentaries, there are many that, of those who, who look at this pasuk and see the words as drawn together as one complete phrase and not as two separate words. Tzadik tamim. The Gemara seems to indicate otherwise, but here you see tzadik tamim um, in the pasuk and some people see it as a combined um, expression. Let's look now at um, how God refers to Noach later on in the parsha. So the beginning of chapter Zayin, so what we just read was in chapter Vav, Pasuk Tet, in Perek Zayin, Pasuk Aleph, the very beginning of the next chapter, God instructs Noach to go into the ark. What does he say? Vayom HaShem Noach. God said to Noah, Bo ata Come into the ark, come into the ark, in the, into the ark with all your household. For you have I found righteous before me in this generation. Let me read the Hebrew to you. No word about Tamim. So we don't see the fact that he was Tamim Haya Bedorotav. We simply see that God refers to him as the Ish Tzadik, Noach Ish Tzadik. Ra'iti Tzadik Lefanai Bedor Hazeh. I want to read you the Meshech Chochma. Meshech Chochma was Rabbi Meir Simcha of Dvinsk, HaKohen of Dvinsk. He died in 1926, uh, most famous uh, for his commentary on the Rambam, but he also wrote a commentary on the Chumash, which was published as the Meshech Chochma, uh, the first word being a, an acronym for Meir Simcha Kohen Chochma, and he says as follows, Hinei Dorot Hayu, he tries to reconcile um, the fact that he was described in two different ways, and also explain the fact that the word bedorotav doesn't make sense. It should say um, in his generation, not in his generations. How many generations was uh, Noach? Noach was his own generation. So why is it described as tamim haya bedorotav? So this is what the Meshech Chochmah says. Hinei shnei dorot hayu. There were two generations. Dor echad shelifnei amabul. One generation before the flood, the Dorechad Shalachar Hamabul, and another one after the flood. And the Gemara tells us, Tamim, this is the Gemara I just quoted, Tamim Bidrachav, Tzadik B'Ma'asav. He was perfect in his way, ways, righteous in his actions. And what does Rashi explain to us about the word Tamim? There, tells us that Tamim means, Tamim is perfect. To mean humble and modest, 
Anav ushval ruach. That is what Noach was. What does tzaddik mean? Belo hamas. He was a righteous man, which meant that he was not guilty of corruption, which was something that everybody else in his generation was guilty of. Shekulam hayu chomsin ushtufin barayot v'nei bedor shilifnea mabul haya ma'alato shaya belo hamas. Everyone else was corrupt and sexually immoral. So that in the generation before the flood, Noach's praiseworthiness, as it were, was a consequence of his incorruptibility on any of those issues. However, Aval Achar Hamabul Hayu Kulam Gedurim Arayot Uprushin Mechamas. Who were the people who survived the flood? Him and his family. After the flood, everyone who was alive was careful about sexual immorality and did not engage in corruption. Omnam tamim anav ushval ruach en In his own generation, the first one where there had been a generation full of Hamas, there was no great big deal in being an anav ushval ruach. Who cared? I mean, that was a nice thing, but that was no big deal. Shetzlam lo tzadik. That being righteous was of no consequence. He remained alone, I guess, with his family. And God spoke to him. And blessed him. And saved him. And he, as a result of the work he did, he um, furnished the entire world with abundant crops and, and sustenance, etc. But he wasn't arrogant with it. What was chashuv in those days? What would have been special? What would have been praiseworthy in the days after the flood? The fact that he was a tamim. The fact that he was an anav and a shval ruach. At that point, his humility is what stood out. The fact that he was a tzaddik. Everybody was a tzaddik. Before the mabul, the fact that he was a tzaddik was unique. The fact that he was Tamim, nobody, nobody bothered with that. That was, that was small fry compared to the fact that he wasn't involved in the corruption of his age. However, after the Mabul, nobody was involved in corruption. And therefore, Tamim Hayabadoratav. In both generations, he was a Tamim. But the, what mattered was that after the flood, the Tamim was more important than being a Tzaddik. That is why before the f- flood, says the Meshachachma, Lachain Amar, before the flood, Ki iti tzaddik. Why am I saving you now? Because you're a tzaddik, not because you're a tamim. Bedor hazeh. In that generation, it was important for him to be a to be a tzaddik. However, after the generation, um, it was important for him to be a tamim. But before, um, after the flood, it was important for him to be a tamim, and that's why it says bedor atav in his generations. But after the flood was when it mattered. But the Tamim Lo Zachar, God didn't mention in the Pasuk before the flood that he was a Tamim, only the fact that he was a Tzaddik. So the Meshechachma has found a way to explain why both definitions were important, why he was a Tzaddik before the flood, and why he was, even though he was a Tamim before the flood as well, why it was only relevant after the flood. Let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban says the verse means what it says. Ish tzaddik tamim haya. Okay? Says the Ramban. 
יזכיר הכתוב שהיה זכאי ושלם בצדקו. The verse mentions that he was guiltless and perfect in his righteousness. להודיה, to inform us, שראו להינצל מן המבול, that he was worthy to be saved from the flood, שאין לו עונש כלל, without any punishment whatsoever. Why? כי הוא תמים בצדק. Because he was whole in his righteousness. You see the Ramban, the Ramban has combined the word tzaddik and tamim in his explanation. Ki tzaddik hu hazakai bedin hafecharasha. Because a tzaddik, a righteous person, is one who is found guiltless in judgment as opposed to the wicked person. So why does it say bedorotav? And he quotes Rashi, Ramban quotes Rashi, Yesh Merabotenu Shedarshu Letova, etc. V'anachon Be'inai. He says, I understand that Rashi wants to quote Chazal, but he wants to say something which has greater clarity. Why Chazal say what they say, the Ramban does not explain. But he says that is, L'fi Hapshat, according to the literal interpretation of the words in the Pasuk. Ki ta'amo lomar. What is the reason? The plain meaning of the words appears to be He was the only tzaddik in these generations. There was no other tzaddik or tamim besides for him in those generations. That's what the Pasuk says. Don't give me interpretations, gnai and shvach. That must be Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish had their reasons for saying whatever they said. But the pshat in the pasuk is simple. He was righteous, bedorotav. He was alone, the only person, the last man standing, the last of the Mohicans, as it were. The only righteous person left. He was the only one that God could have saved. Amar bedorotav. And why does the Pasuk say Bedorotav? Ki dorot rabim avru me'et shehishchito ve'en tzadik ba'aretz bilto. Because there were many generations. We count a generation as being 20 years. We know that, that, um, that he lived many hundreds of years. And throughout that time, even though many generations emerged, one after the other, during the period of Noah's life, he remained the only righteous person throughout all those many generations. So the Ramban dismisses the idea, completely dismisses the concept that Noah was in any way deficient in his tzidkut, at least in the literal interpretation of the pasuk, notwithstanding the Gemara and the Midrash that seem to be indicating otherwise. Let's look at the Shem Mishmuel. The Shem Mishmuel of Sochachov, who uh, wrote a fabulous commentary on the Torah. He has the following to say. We haven't really looked at that. It's the final piece of the puzzle of this three, of this trinity um, definition of Noach's character. We said... Noach ish tzadik, tamim hayab adorotav, and the final thing was, et ha'elokim hitalech noach. Now Rashi says, and the Shemishmor quotes him, that, uva Abraham hu amer, asher hitalachti lefanav. Rashi says that in the case of Abraham, the scripture tells us, God before whom I walked. 
So it's that Abraham slightly differently described as having walked before God, whereas Noah walked with God. He's being unfavorably compared to Abraham. Again, Noach hayat sarich sa'ad letamcho, that Noach needed God's support to uphold him in his righteousness. Aval Abraham hayam mitchazek. Abraham drew his moral strength from himself. Umahalech betzidko me'elav. And um, he walked in his righteousness by his own effort. So that's what Rashi says, with reference to the words in the Pasuk, Et HaElokim Hithalech Noach, says the Shem Ishmol. I'm going to read you the English. This is the translation on the source sheet, which you can download online on the website. This idea needs to be explained. After all, the verse says explicitly that Noach was a perfectly righteous man, Tzadik Tamim which means that his righteousness was complete in every way. If he needed God's support, that would seem to indicate that his righteousness was not complete in every way. Says the Shem Mishmuel, upon reflection, it would appear, it would appear to, it would appear that Abraham, despite his incredible humility, remember what he said, he said, I am dust and ashes, nevertheless. He was a very strong person. And for this reason, the wicked people of his generation couldn't mislead him, even though this was a real danger. But Abraham had a very strong character, completely repelled them, and they were not able to harm him. But Noah, although he was so righteous and was a tzaddik tamim, and we do indeed find that he was exceedingly humble. And despite the fact that he was a righteous man, who is the foundation of the universe, we only hear because of Noach. Nevertheless, he couldn't find anything within himself to resist the evil doers of his generation, as he lacked the strength of character of Avraham Avinu. In the words of the Shemishmuel, Vayachaser lo chozek halev. He lacked that that essential ingredient in a righteous person which makes them with able, um, able to withstand those who try and bring them down. Because this answers another question. This answers the great question that puzzled so many of the commentaries over the many centuries of commentaries on the Torah. Why is it that Noach who built the Teva for 120 years, and the Midrash tells us, and he had another week, because Metushelach died, and there was a seven-day Shiva for Metushelach, and even so, he was not able, throughout that period of 120 years, when people were watching him build the Ark, ever to convince anyone to do Teshuvah, and to repent, to think about what they were doing, and to change their way so that the world, either that the world wouldn't be destroyed, or at least that they could join him on the ark and be saved from utter devastation, from extinction. Why is it that he was unsuccessful in convincing anyone? And the Shem Mishmur has a clue from this Rashi. The difference between Avraham Avinu, Abraham, and Noach was that Noach, et Noach, 
The only reason he could stay Noach was because he clung so closely to God. Because he knew if he allowed himself an inch, if he allowed himself the smallest exposure to his generation, he couldn't be sure that he would be able to withstand the temptation. Abraham Avinu, Abraham Avinu was different. It says, a God before whom I have walked. I walk before him. I, I'm a trailblazer. I'm the one who is going to make the changes that are necessary to make the world a better place, to convince people to believe in one God. He was not only the original monotheist, he was the one who brought the message of monotheism to the world. He was, as it were, he gave birth to monotheism in a world that militated against it, that was utterly pagan. We are monotheists today because of Abraham's um, uh, trailblazing work. Noah could have been that trailblazer, but he lacked what the Shem Ishmael calls the Chozek Halev, the strength of character to withstand the temptation of those who would have, he felt, brought him down. So Noah was a tzaddik tamim, but only because he stayed in such close proximity to God. And of course, this has a message for our generation as well. Are you a tzaddik because you remain um, ensconced in your ghetto? Are you a tzaddik because you remain utterly divorced or separated from the world outside your little world? Or are you a tzaddik despite the fact that you are exposed to the world around you? Are you somebody who can remain a tzaddik tamim even though you come into contact with those who might bring you down? That's the difference between being a noach to being a, an Avraham. Are you somebody who can run before God or are you somebody who has to stay connected to God like with an umbilical cord, never separating yourself from him? We're going to look now at the Kedushat Levi. Kedushat Levi always has such beautiful ideas. Reb Levi Yitzchak of Breditchev, one of the very early Hasidic uh, Rebbes, um, a Talmud of the Magid of Mezrich always comes up with such beautiful ideas about the Parsha. And here he says as follows. But Pasuk about this very verse, this little phrase in the verse, the first verse of Parshat Noach. It says as follows. Noach walked with God. The emphasis in this line is on the word Elohim, God's attribute of justice. We know that Different names of God convey different ideas about who God is. Elohim, the name Elohim about God, means justice. Says, um, the, Shemish, uh, says the Kedushat Levi, Kloma. In other words, Noach halach im Elohim, that Noach went together with God. It was beyond Noach's kind of tzitkut, of his type of being a tzaddik, his type of righteousness, to turn the attribute of justice into an attribute of mercy through his lifestyle. He couldn't lead by example. He couldn't change the world by being Noach the tzaddik. Therefore, et hitalech Noach. He was always, as it were, on the side of God 
in this very harsh judgment of the world around him. Everyone is bad because they're not a tzaddik like me. He saw himself as the, as the uh, justice, as the arm of justice for God, the right hand of God. Yitzchak and Abraham were different. They didn't see themselves as God's, as God's policemen. They didn't see themselves as having to act as the arm of justice for God. They went before God. They created, as it were, a new form of justice for God. God was slightly behind them, a few paces behind them, as they trailblazed. Kolomar, they were before, they were in front of um, uh, the midat hadin, the attribute of justice. They had the ability, they had the incredible ability to change up this attribute of justice to an attribute of mercy. That is why Noach, that is why Noah never became one of the forefathers, one of the patriarchs of our nation. He was the father of all humanity after the great flood, but he wasn't one of the patriarchs of the Jewish nation. He couldn't join ranks with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob because he was somebody who saw himself as the harsh arm of justice. He saw himself somebody who had to carry out the justice of God in every given situation and condemn all those who refused to see it his way or God's way as he saw it. Whereas Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Shmuel had a very different way of looking at things. They saw, they understood that the world isn't a perfect place. And in order to bring people in, you've got to understand that they're going to make mistakes. Moshe, who brought in the entire concept brought in the entire idea of repentance in the world. All the quotations that we have on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are drawn from Moshe's pleading with God to forgive the Jewish nation on more than one occasion. That was because he understood he had to stand before God when it comes to justice, not allow justice just to wreak havoc and to destroy he said to God, if, that's, if you want to punish the Jews by destroying them, I want to have no part of it. And God relented and forgave the Jews for the sin of the golden calf. Noah, on the other hand, never remonstrated with God. He never remonstrated with those who were sinning. He saw them as evil and he saw God's plan to destroy them as being correct, as being just. He was et ha'elokim et noach. That was his great flaw. As great as he was as a tzaddik, he never saw it beyond his own little bubble. And finally, let us take a look at the Kliakar. And he explains to us the three sections of the Pasuk as being the three definitions of who Noach was. Noach ish tzaddik tamim hayabedoratav et ha'elokimit halech Noach. Noach was a righteous man. He was perfect in his generations. Noach walked with God. The generation of the flood were corrupted and tainted in three separate corruptions that are mentioned in this passage. What, what are they? What are the three of them? They are as follows. Idolatry, the worship of pagan idols, despite the fact that um, they'd been created by one God and 
It wasn't that long before that God had created the world and yet they'd become pagan idol worshippers. The second thing was sexual immorality. There was a complete breakdown of the morals uh, of society, complete sexual immorality. And finally, robbery. Those were the three great failings of the society of Noah's time. Therefore, the passage here at the beginning of Parshat Noah begins by telling us that Noah was exemplary in all of these areas. First of all, Noah ish tzaddik. Noah was a righteous man, meaning that he did not steal from others. He never engaged in robbery. He never got involved in any kind of gazela. He never took from other people. Secondly, tamim hayabadoratav. He was a perfect person. In what way? In that he did not engage in sexual immorality. So these are two things. And the third thing is, Noach walked with God. Et ha'elokim italech Noach. Meaning that he never turned towards any of the other gods, as it were, the pagan idols, while the flood generation were guilty of all three of these. Dor ha'mabul partzu geder shloshtan. In other words, says the Kliakar. The reason why the first pasuk is divided into these three sections as a definition of Noach is to tell you who he was as a person as opposed to everyone else in his generation. Suddenly we understand that the key to Noach's salvation was the fact that he was able to withstand the three temptations of his time. He was a God-believer. He never engaged in sexual immorality and he wasn't corrupt in his dealing with others. We'll leave it here for today.